Well, I want to um, share a message, a sh- shortened message that's kind of in the, the, the theme of the real deal. And uh, just to recap, those of you that haven't been here, you know, the last three Sundays, we've had a totally different crowd every single Sunday. And so when I come, I'm, I'm praying, I'm saying, God, what version of Faith Church are we going to have today? And someday we're going to get them all in at the same time, right? And uh, that's just the way summer is. Uh, don't panic. Uh, just, you know, be patient. It's okay. Uh, we, we're, gonna, uh, we're going to move forward together as a family. I'm actually looking forward to this summer and all that God is going to do to bind our hearts together, uh, to win uh, people to Christ, and to see them uh, discipled in Jesus' name. And, and uh, so um, w- whatever version of Faith Church we have today, I want to thank you for prioritizing. But just to recap, I started two weeks ago talking about the real deal. And uh, Christians that are the real deal, Romans eight fourteen are led by the Holy Spirit. That means that they are followers of, of, of Christ. Uh, we have given up right. We have given up authority over our own lives. We are now followers of Jesus. Amen? And that's what it means to be a Christian. It means that he's now in my life. And then last week, we talked about the, the most important element of us uh, as Christians, and that's the love of God. The love of God coming to us and the love of God flowing through us. And we talked about the true test or one of the true tests of Christianity. People that say, oh, I love God. I love God. You know, the, the truest test of your love for God is this. Do I love my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ? That's where it begins. And if you don't love the body of Christ, then the the word says that you cannot love God. It does not work. It does not work. And so if if you've got the real deal, if you're really born again, which can I tell you, friends, is important. It's important to know that you have the real deal, that that you've been born again, that you're a child of the living God. It's important. In our membership class, we have seven or eight people going through membership class right now. I'm so excited about that. And this morning, we talked about the end judgment. And that is a heaven and hell judgment. It is the great day of the Lord. It is the day that you and I are spending this life preparing for. Okay? There is that day coming where you will stand before God, where I will stand before God. Hebrews 9.27 says it is appointed for man once to die and then to face judgment. And everything else we do in this life is preparing for that day and helping others, hopefully, prepare for that day. And when you stand before God on that day, I I want to know, I want to know that you stand clean and pure and perfect before God because of the blood of Jesus that has washed over you, because of your trust that you've had with God, because you have had a relationship with Him. 
When you stand before God, young person, and and you will stand before God, I want it to be with confidence in the day of judgment. Because you've known the love of God. That was what we read in 1 John. I feel like I'm preaching last week's sermon all over again. But friends, we've got to know that we know that we know that we know that we have the real deal. Any disdain that you have for the body of Christ, we want to pray that that comes off of you in Jesus' name. Any twinge inside of you that, that says, I, I just, you know, the, I, I, I just, you know, I'd just rather not be a part of it. I love God. I love God, but, you know, the, that church thing, I just don't want to do that church thing. But I want to tell you that that is a deception and a lie. And if that twinge gets inside of you, it is the enemy separating you from the body to steal your effectiveness and to get you to coast through life. And people that live that way five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years goes by, and they've done nothing for the kingdom. And they're going to stand before God someday. But I want the real deal. And I want to know as pastor of Faith Church that the people that are a part of Faith Church have the real deal. On fire for God. In relationship with God. Pursuing Him. Hallelujah. So I was captured today. uh, for, For today, I was captured by a small verse from the book of Acts, chapter 18. And just a small verse gripped my heart that I want to talk today about our tongue and the things that we talk about. This was a, this was highlighted to me because I just got back from district council and we fellowship with, with literally uh, dozens and dozens of pastors. I mean, we fellowship with hundreds of them, but really uh, dozen, dozens of them are part of our circle here in central Illinois, and we connect with them. And Cami, uh, what are the two things that I talk about with the pastors? Camping and prayer. Prayer and camping. The order may flip-flop depending on who it is. You know why I talk about those things? But, you know, no, I mean, how many conversations did I bring up camping? Not true. They, They come to me now. They know it's a a love of mine and they're it's going to be a love of theirs too it's just the way it is right linda tucker tried to give tried to give her one of my tents and she said no thank you the holiday inn is her tent we talk about what's passionate we 
talk to people what we are passionate about. Look at somebody's Facebook post, posts, scroll down, not just maybe one random one might be off a little bit. You will find out what they are passionate about. Larry is passionate about grilling. How many of you have seen Larry's posts? Get jealous. I get jealous every single time. Although I did receive a blessing a couple weeks ago that something that came off of his grill. Hallelujah. And it's okay to be passionate about those things. We have, you know, we have hobbies, you know, until unless they get in the way of our walk with Jesus. God's given us all things for life and godliness for us to be blessed. For enjoyment, it's okay. Right? But they can never supersede our relationship with Jesus. And so Christians talk about what they are passionate about. And that brings conviction to me because I ask the question, how often do I talk about my relationship with Jesus? And some in this room can answer, hey, I, I've, been, I've been witnessing. I, I, I'm faithful talking about the Lord. But for some of us, when I ask that question, it's stung a little bit. It's stung a little bit. And this, this one verse, verse 5 in chapter 18, gripped me, and it said, When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified, testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. When I read that word testified, that word testified jumped out at me. Somebody who testifies is sharing what? A testimony, right? And so you can look at this in so many different lights. You can look at this from a legal light. The biggest trial in uh, human history, it feels like, I thank God, it came to an end on Friday. The Johnny Depp heard, uh, what, what's her first name? Amber Heard trial. And guess what they had? They had people on the witness stand. And what were they doing? They were giving testimony. They were testifying. In this case of a trial. And so Paul here in the book of Acts is getting ready to preach. He had had a vision of the Macedonian call. He was actually frustrated in chapters 15, 16, and 17. It was like everywhere he was going, he was bumping into brick walls, and then he had a vision, the Macedonian vision, and uh, he saw in the Spirit them saying, come over here. And so he came over there, and he knew God was going to use him. And in this moment, he is compelled by the Spirit of God to share what happened to him. 
Now, if you want to find out what happened to Paul, you can go to Acts chapter 9, and you can see, actually, it's his testimony uh, from the Scriptures starts in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen is being martyred. And as Stephen, uh, the, the uh, martyr, as he is dying, they all that stoned him laid their cloaks at the foot, the feet of a young man named Saul, who would later become Paul. And two chapters later, while he's continuing to persecuting Christians, while he's putting them in prison, while he's busting up their meetings, while he's having them arrested, while he's tormenting people of the way that it was called at first, before it was called Christianity, it was called the way. And, and while he's busting all of that up, Jesus meets him on the road and uh, says, uh, in the form of, a blinding light knocked him off of his horse and he hears from heaven, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And nobody else saw the light, but they all heard the voice. And he's blinded. Scales, something like scales, formed immediately on his eyes and they have to lead him by hand into the city. And for three days he's praying, meeting Jesus for the first time face to face. A man named Ananias comes and lays hands on him, and the scales fall off. He receives his sight, and he's baptized in the Holy Spirit, never to be the same. How many of you would say, Saul, later named Paul, has a testimony? And so he comes here, and he's compelled to share what happened to him. He's compelled because he's intrigued by it. He's, it's, it's shaped his life, his whole life. He was, he was once blind, but now he sees. He was once walking down the total wrong road of religion, and now he's in relationship with Jesus Christ, and he's compelled to tell somebody. He's compelled to tell somebody. And so I begin to think of all of the times in the Bible where people were compelled to tell somebody. Let me read a few of them. Uh, Andrew. Andrew in John chapter 1. Uh, he was a follower of John the Baptist until he heard Jesus, and then he followed Jesus. And what did Andrew do in verse 41? It says, he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we'd found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. He was so impacted by the teaching of, of Jesus and how his life was changed that he was compelled to share it with his brother. Right? He opened up his mouth. Let's talk about the woman at the well in John chapter 4. After she encountered Jesus, she ran to all the people that hated her and that, and that despised her testimony. She ran to them. In fact, it says that she went to the men. She went to the men of the community. She, she left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me everything that I've ever done. Could this be the Christ? She was so touched on the inside that she was compelled to share what God was doing in her life. Praise God. There were many occasions in the ministry of Jesus that even when Jesus told them not to share, they could not help 
but to share because of what God had done in their life. I think this one's kind of mean, actually. They brought to Jesus one who was deaf and one who had an impediment in his speech. And so he could not, he could not hear, and because of that, he couldn't speak very well. It leads me to believe that at one time, a long time ago, he could speak, but his lack of hearing uh, deteriorated his, his ability to speak. And so nobody could understand him. And they brought him to Jesus, and he took him aside from the multitude, put his fingers in his ears, spat, and touched his tongue. And then looking up to heaven, he sighed oh, and said to him, Ephatha, be opened. <laughs> and immediately his ears were opened. And the impediment of his speech was loosed. And he spoke plainly. Now, oh, you say, well, how's that cruel? Because here's a guy that can't communicate for years and years and years and years. And, and listen to the next verse. Jesus commanded him that, uh, commanded them that they should tell no one. So he looses his tongue, gives him the ability to speak, and then says, don't tell anybody about it. The Bible says the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And the people that heard were all astonished beyond measure. He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute to speak. Here, here's a more intense one. There's a synagogue ruler whose daughter has died. She's dead. And Jesus raises her from the dead. Daughter, get up. And then he looks at the family and says, don't tell anybody about this. Can you imagine? My daughter is raised from the dead. And I can't say anything? There's something inherent inside that would make you just want to shout. Make you want to scream it from the mountaintops. My daughter was dead. We were about to bury her. We were mourning. We were beginning to plan her funeral. But Jesus came to my house today. And he spoke to my daughter. And he raised my daughter. And she's alive. Don't tell anybody. The leper. And Luke chapter 5 said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing, be clean. Hallelujah. And the Bible says immediately the leprosy left him. And Jesus charged him to tell no one. And you say, well, why did Jesus say this? Because Jesus had ministry to do 
and he wanted to still be able to do it. And, you, and so uh, everybody found out, how, the Bible says, however, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came and followed him, and it, and it made Jesus so that he could not freely move about. And so in those beginning places, especially of his ministry, he said, keep it quiet. Keep it quiet, because he wanted the freedom to continue to be able to minister. I don't think that God is eternally going to hold it against them for sharing the good news of what God did. Because God does no longer say, keep it quiet. He doesn't look at you and me and say, keep it quiet what God has done. It is the natural inclination for believers to share what God has done in their lives. In fact, uh, in fact, uh, one, one of the prophets, one of the prophets tried this. He, of course, prophet is a little bit different, but uh, Jeremiah would would uh, would would get a word from God and he would share it, and then he would get. Then he would get punished for sharing the word of God. He would be imprisoned. He would be persecuted. And every time he would share what God had told him to say to the people, it backfired on him. And, you know, sometimes that can happen today. That's not really our problem as a church. Sometimes we're called to say things that are really hard for people to receive. I get that. And we can be rejected for saying those things. But Jeremiah had it happen over and over and over and over and over. And for 29 chapters and many years of of prophetic ministry, nobody listened to him. And in chapter 30, 30, actually it's in chapter 20, uh, in, in chapter 20 in verse 9, he tried when he received a word from God, he tried to not speak it forth. He tried to just squelch that word in his heart. And he was saying, what's the use? Everything I'm saying is falling on deaf ears. Nobody's listening to me anyway. Anybody ever feel like that? Any parents ever feel like that? Any grandparents ever feel like that? You speak it, but it's not coming, it's not coming forth. It's not finding a resting place, and you do that enough, and you just say, well, I'm, I'm just not going to share anymore. And Jeremiah did that with the word of God, but, and so God spoke to him a word to say, and he said, nope, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to repeat it. But that word began to grow inside of him. And it began to grow inside of him. And he said, nope, I'm not going to share. I'm not going to share. And then it began to catch on fire inside of him. And then he knew, he knew that this thing is really getting to me. This thing's, I'm trying not to share anything. But uh, that, that fire, that fire from that word, it began to grow in him. And it began to grow in him. And it got bigger. And it got bigger. And it got bigger. And it got bigger. And pretty soon he said, uh, he said, uh, he proclaimed this. His word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I grew weary from holding it back, and I could not. And so Jeremiah was like, I get weary giving it from people, but I even get more weary by not giving it because this thing's burning in me. It's burning in me. 
this word from God. I want to tell you, friends, that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And God has given you a testimony. And some of our testimonies, our stories, have similar points in them. We all came to the place where we, we gave Jesus our life. Hallelujah. But all the details surrounding that is different for every single one of you. Every one of your stories is different. And that, that's what makes your story unique. That's what makes your story powerful. Hallelujah. You see, people, uh, people need to hear Cammie and I's story. We didn't walk in gross levels of sin as far as the world is concerned. God protected us, hallelujah, kept us from walking to the right or to the left, and kept us walking straight uh, from the time we were young. And I want to I declare that over every parent that's listening to this right now, that God can fulfill that promise. And so the hope of that promise, somebody needs to hear that testimony. You know, somebody needs to hear another testimony that you came out of a life that was filled with drugs and sex and everything else, and God brought you all the way through, took your feet out of the miry clay, and set you on a rock. Hallelujah. You know why that testimony is important? Because there are many people right in that same place, and they need to know there's hope for me. I want to tell you, I'm a sinner just the same, but our testimonies are very different, and many, many people need to hear your testimony. Thank you, Father. I feel the Lord right now. You know what God's trying, you know what the enemy is trying to shut down? You know what he comes against? You trying to share your testimony. You remember in Acts chapter 3, and there was a lame man by the gate called Beautiful, and Peter, Peter and John came up to, to the, the, the man, and he was begging, and he said, Silver and gold I have none, but such as I have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And the man picked up his mat and walked. <laughs> well, how many of you would say, that's a testimony? That man has a testimony. But what did the Jewish Sanhedrin try to do? In all through Acts chapter 4, not only did they try to get this man that was crippled from birth, they tried to get him to not give glory to Jesus. They tried to silence Peter and John. They commanded them not to preach anymore in this name. But Peter and John said, judge for yourselves whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to him or to listen to you. Because the enemy is constantly trying to get you to squelch your testimony and to not share it. But people need to hear what God has done for you.
And if you've got the real deal, my friend, it doesn't mean you have to be weird. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, get on a box on the street corner. God will call some people to preach in different kinds of ways. But it means that the Spirit of God will compel you to share your story. You do not know what the sharing of your story is going to accomplish. So they prayed in Acts chapter 4. And listen to what they prayed. Lord, they've threatened us. Grant to us that with all boldness we may speak your word. Isn't that awesome? I believe, and I've come under conviction personally as I've studied this out and as I've prepared that God wants to raise up a revival of sharing your testimony. The God that did it for me can do it for you. You see people in the same position you were in before you were a believer? That's your opportunity to share what God has done for you. And they prayed and they said, God, we want to be able to speak your word with boldness regardless of their threats. And what happened, friends? <laughs> I love what happened. When they prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. <laughs> shaken. That kind of a thing is beginning to happen here. And then what does it say? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Boldly. Do you have lost people that you know? This is why we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. So that we can open up our mouth and speak. Speak. People with the real deal want others to know. Now, will they get intimidated when it comes time to share? Sometimes you'll have those kind of feelings and you've got to overcome them in the name of Jesus. Will you fail? Sometimes you will fail. You should have said something and you didn't. But the enemy will try to keep you in a place where that means that because of the guilt that you felt in that moment, that you never share ever again. And, and we've got to overcome all of that in the name of Jesus. We don't have the levels of persecution that they have around the world yet. That may or may not come. I'm believing that it's not going to come. I'm believing that America's going to turn and see revival turn back to God in Jesus' name. I'm believing that with all of my heart. But it may come. And if we're not sharing now when persecution is not prevalent here, what makes us think that we're all of a sudden going to start sharing then? 
We need to do a gut check. What is most important to me? What am I passionate about? And whether it was because he was called into ministry or whether it was just because of his lifestyle, read Romans chapter 9. And as you read Romans 9, pick up the heartbeat that, that Paul has for the Jews, for his own people. He says in Romans chapter 9 that if he could, if it were permissible, he would trade his own salvation so that they would be saved. Because he loved the people around him. It's no wonder the Holy Spirit compelled him to share his testimony. Compelled to share. And I want to tell you that the number one reason that Jesus sent the baptism in the Holy Spirit, according to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, was so that you and I, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And I want to tell you that that is the number one assignment for the church, to be witnesses for the king. Hallelujah. And so if you've got the real deal, it doesn't mean that all the obstacles are suddenly removed, but no, it means that I, I have a, a heart to share. This Jesus that's touched me so radically, this Jesus that's turned my life around, this Jesus that's ministered to me, this Jesus that's healed me, that's set me free, hallelujah, this Jesus, this Jesus is somebody that I want to talk about that I feel compelled to share. You know why? Because there was a time when somebody shared with me. Somebody invited me. Somebody valued me enough to show me the right direction. The devil has worked overtime. I feel the Lord right now. The devil has worked overtime to confuse the definition of love. Society believes that love equals acceptance. If you don't accept me the way I am, you can't possibly love me. If you don't accept my lifestyle, you can't possibly love me. But friend, I have an eternal perspective. I want you to be ready in the day of judgment. I don't want you to just coast through this life and be happy. If all this life had was this life, okay. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die and we cease to exist. But it is not the truth. 
And because there is a day that is coming, a day of reckoning, I want you to be ready. And because I want you to be ready, love compels me to share with you the truth. Me just agreeing with you at every turn does not prepare you for that day. And you just hanging out with your friends and just everybody liking everybody all the time does not prepare you for that day. Somebody has to share the truth. Somebody has to share a testimony. It's because I love you that I tell you the truth so that you can get ready for that day. The Holy Spirit compelled him to testify. And it was that testimony that sparked a move of God in Macedonia. You don't know what God's going to do. You don't know what God's going to do. Holy Spirit, move in this place right now. Awaken in us a desire to share our testimony, our story, what God has done for me. Jesus, I remember that morning that I woke up at camp mistreating everybody. And then your conviction coming in. And as somebody just simply shared the simple love of God, I yielded. And you transformed my life forever. You forgave me. And I said, I will follow you all of my life. And Lord, you have made my life about this testimony that God saved me a sinner and made me his son. And through the blood and the work on the cross, he can do the same for you. So Lord, I just ask right now that all across this room that you would just work. You would just work. And in your own relationship with the Lord, if you'd like just to repent right now, God, I have not been passionate about you. I can think of a hundred other things that I'm more passionate about than my relationship with Jesus. Forgive me, God. God, I just pray that you would just bring release all over this room. 
in the name of Jesus. We talk about everything except for Jesus. And the only thing that will make an eternal difference is our testimony. Thank you, Lord, for just washing and forgiving. Having your way. Now, if you're here this morning and are saying, Pastor, I want to walk in the real deal. I want God to use me in the power of my testimony. If that's you, then all over this place, I just want you to stand and come down to the front. And we're going to just, for a moment, present ourselves to the Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. For there will be no one like you, no one besides you alone are worthy of my praise. There will be no Father, I just thank you for every person that has come down to this altar to say, here I am. Use my testimony. Use my testimony. God, I ask in Jesus' name, I just ask, God, that you would release us, that you would just bring a release right now Come on, just lift your hands up to the Lord right now. Just bring a release right now in Jesus' name to share what you have done. This is what God has done for me, and I know God can do it for you. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that just as, just as you loosed this man with the impediment of speech, God, that you would loose the people in your church, God, that have an impediment of speech, you would loose them in the name of Jesus, that we might share, that we might share, that we might share in Jesus' name. And God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit would not just be something that we feel goosebumps for. It would not solely be for speaking in tongues. It would not be just to help us in our prayer life, but it would help us to be witnesses to the people around us. Hallelujah. God, I pray that you would do a transformational work. 
God, I pray that you would ignite our relationships with you. God, cause our relationships with you to come on fire in the name of Jesus. And I pray in the name of the Lord that you would cause us to rise up in our testimony. That that intimidation from the enemy would come off in the name of Jesus. It's not about, Lord, whether we're extroverted or introverted. That's just personality. It is about whether we are walking in obedience to the Holy Spirit. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would move through your people. I'm asking you, God, for a chance to share, whether it's the whole story, whether we get to unload all uh, both barrels on someone this week or not, or whether it's just a portion. God, I pray that you will open up doors for us to share our testimony. God, I pray that we would be compelled, compelled by your Spirit, in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen.